Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Today's episode, I want to start out with a little catch up, a little life update, so to speak, a little just peeling back the onion layers of my life, chatting with you guys about some things that either made the Instagram or didn't make the Instagram and that I just want to talk to you guys about because I feel like sometimes my episodes can really lack personal bits and bobs. And I know there's a lot of super personal podcasts out there where like all they cover is personal stuff and life stuff. And I feel like for me, I try to strike a balance, but I don't always strike a balance, if that makes sense. Like sometimes I I get really invested in the story and in the psychology or whatever the heck I'm talking about. And I totally forget to give you guys any sort of insight on what's going on in my personal life, which obviously I don't owe anybody, but I do like sharing the ins and outs of my life because I do see my podcast as a spoken diary of sorts of, you know, kind of peeling back the layers, like I said, of what is going on inside my brain, because everything that I talk about on here, all the stories, all the psychology, all has to do with personal experiences that happened to me. And then I kind of dig deeper, so to speak. I really want to know why. I was definitely one of those kids that asked why, why, why to everything. Like my, you know, drove my parents absolutely bonkers asking them why in regards to everything. Like they would tell me a fact or just something. And I would be like, why? Why is it? Why? My parents would have to come up with some crafty reason. And a lot of times they said, you know what, Katie, I don't know. And then honestly, that propelled me into looking into it myself, which was a really great parenting technique because parents aren't supposed to always have the answers. So I fully intend on, you know, when I don't know, I I don't tell them something fictitious, something incorrect. So for the sake of letting you guys know what to expect with this episode, the first half we're going to chat about life happenings, things I'm wondering about, my current dating roster, things like that. And then I will close with a story from history. If you guys ever wondered about where coffee comes from, the history of coffee, stay tuned until the latter part of the episode. But in recent news, things I've been seeing on my social media feed, let's start there. So I don't know about you guys, but I've been seeing on my social media feeds, everyone is pregnant, everyone is engaged, and it just, it further baffles me every single day that the period of time in your mid to late 20s looks so, it's just so night and day for different people. Like some people, and it sometimes depends on geography, sometimes it just depends on like your priorities or just pure dumb luck, honestly, of how your life has gone. And I mean, because obviously we make a lot of choices every day and some of these very, very small choices land us in totally different places than we thought we'd be, things like that. But it just baffles me that, you know, in your mid to late 20s, you can either be in the realm of I am getting married, having kids, buying a house, saving a boatload for retirement and, you know, doing all that stuff. And then there's the other realm of like, I'm sitting here trying to decide which episode of which show I've already seen a million times to watch while I am figuring out why it is always the guys I don't like that are texting me, the guys that I think are creepy that are texting me, and the ones that I want are ghosting me. Plus, I'm probably in my first or second job at this point, 
questioning how I'm going to do this for the next 35 years while I'm balancing hangovers and Postmates way too much and cleaning my apartment on top of everything else that I have to do, all the social obligations. And yet I compare myself because I'm like, oh my God, how could I do all this? How could I keep myself alive plus a child plus a husband? It's just funny how like your mid to late 20s can be two totally different things just depending on you and your path. And I guess there's probably more than just two, but that's like what I've been seeing a lot on TikTok, et cetera. Like I'm seeing these two polar opposite positions that a person can be in. And me being in that age, I'm like, which bucket do I fall in? I guess the latter, but it's not because I don't want the former. It's not that I don't see myself getting married in anytime soon. It's just I haven't found the right equation yet, which is interesting. So yeah, that's just kind of like my uh, thought process recently. I am approaching 26. And once I turn 26, as many people know, that is when I need to get my own health insurance since I'm self-employed. I just talked to my accountant a few days ago about that. That was really super exciting stuff. But truly, even given the stressful stuff that I have to deal with as I get older, I really can't complain about my life. I feel very lucky about all the opportunities that I've been given and all of the ways that I have fought for myself. I look back and there are numerous opportunities or moments rather where I fought for the person I wanted to be and now I am her. I am sitting here as her and if I feel unresolved or like unfinished in one way, I know it's it's on the horizon. It's coming. Like I know that I will get to a point where I will always be making my younger self proud. Well, that's the goal, at least. Obviously, there are moments where I fall from grace and I'm like, okay, that wasn't my proudest moment. Like, I wish that I didn't do that or I wish that I had been more prepared for that moment, whatever. But, you know, in in the end, in the, you know, all in all, kind of as a whole, I feel very lucky to be where I am. But I always do find myself wondering or not always, but sometimes like late at night or when I've gone through one of those less than glamorous moments, I find myself thinking, what if I had done anything differently? Like what if I had gone to a different college? What if I had spoken up to my bullies in high school and didn't just let them do them while I silently built my empire in the background on YouTube and whatever? Like what if I had stood up to them? What if I had decided or or what if i had rather tried to be like them and became one of them would i still be living in my high school town as many of them are which isn't an issue obviously like isn't a, a diss it's just a different it's different than new york city what if i had not met these people that i adored in college what if i hadn't found my people and i had transferred like what if what if what if and obviously we can't live our life in the past in the what ifs but i just think about how it translates into like how important each of our decisions really is and how stressful that can be because a lot of those decisions we're expected to make at points of our lives when we don't feel extremely prepared to make those decisions. Like I remember freshman year being pressured by my guidance counselor, this is in college, to choose a major. Like my, what do they call it? Like a career, I don't even know, career preparation counselor of some sort, whatever. They pressured me 
into picking a major. And when I had come into Elon, I wanted to be a journalism major. My my big goal for myself was to, I knew I knew what, wanted to come to New York in some way, shape or form. And I thought that maybe I can come to New York and be a journalist. And that would be my calling and my life because I loved writing and I loved people and stories and whatever. Obviously did not end up doing that, but I chose that as my major. And then I changed my major again I like switched my major a few different times. My minor, I dropped my minor. I had a minor, I dropped that. But all of these decisions were made before I was even 21. Like it's just crazy how young we're expected to know the trajectory of our lives or at least put ourselves on the right path to get there. And granted, communications was one of those, you know, majors I could switch around and still graduate on time. If I had pursued something else, there would have been a chance I wouldn't have graduated on time because of that major, like switching things around too late in the game. And you know how it goes in college. So yeah, a lot of those stressful decisions are made at a very pivotal, very delicate part of our lives. Cause I was definitely a delicate flower my freshman year. It wasn't feeling very bold, but I am grateful for all the decisions I made to get me to this point. But it's just interesting. I cannot wrap my head around how your mid to late twenties looks so, so, so different for different people. And it's so night and day. Like obviously you're any phase of your, like any age phase of your life could look different for different people. But I think there's really something to be said about the mid to late twenties. I feel like that is a time that just is so, so, so black and white or like just very different for different people. Whereas in high school, I feel like we're all kind of similarly on the same mindset of like, you know, this is, we're, we're young, right? Like we all see ourselves as being young, even those who end up kind of you know, getting on a path where they have real, real, real responsibilities that they're developing. I still feel like we all felt really young in high school. Like we'd look at older 20 somethings and be like, those people are old. But now in our 20s, like it's it's crazy who we see as being the old people now or like we I feel that sometimes I feel like the old person. But then other times I feel like the young, youngest person in the room. It just, you know, because you're given all this responsibility. Like I Prior to this, obviously I, I'm self-employed now, but when I was in my corporate role, like I was sitting in a, a room often feeling so, so young amongst all these like VPs and high up people that had their lives on track and like were really inspiring to me. But then other times, like I would go to a bar in the city that I used to go to all the time when I had first graduated college and feel like the oldest person ever. Like I could feel simultaneously young and old in my mid to late 20s. Like it's really crazy, just depending on the environment, depending on who I'm surrounded by. And I guess this is just honestly, as I'm saying this, I'm like, wait, this is such a duh concept. Like obviously depends on who you're surrounded by to make you feel young or old, but it's just, I don't know. It's kind of like a brain blast moment, like a wow, aha moment for me that I experienced or have experienced recently being on TikTok. And I, when TikTok first came out, I remember like Okay, not when it first came out, but when it first started becoming like on the radar of brands, I was at L'Oreal still at my corporate job. And I remember us all sitting around like downloading it for the first time on our phones. And I was like, oh, this platform, it's too like snappy. And I like longer form content. I appreciate more work going into content. Obviously, my perspective has changed. I feel like TikTok actually requires so much more work than one would think. And also a lot of disappointment half the time when you try really hard on something, like use all these cool transitions and whatnot, and then it totally flops. Like I think TikTok is one of those platforms that requires a great deal of patience and 
yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to crack the algorithm, still trying to figure it out and whatnot. I'm, I'm kind of just messing around on there. But TikTok has really educated me unlike any other platform has. I feel like there's certain things I always thought like was just me, like, oh, I'm the only person that thinks this way or I'm the only person like I'm weird for this or for liking this or just questions I had that I could never answer because I was either embarrassed to say things out loud or and TikTok has like reassured me that I'm not crazy in so many different situations. And it's just so it's crazy. I'm getting to the point where my for you page is actually reflective of like what I actually want to see. And it's a really exciting, um, exciting time for me because my For You page is finally like not weird stuff that I don't want to see, <laughs> like not creepy, gross, graphic things. Like I, I had like a really graphic For You page when I first signed up for TikTok, but now it's like it's getting to a point where it's a lot of Taylor Swift. It's a lot of babies. I love cute babies. A lot of like artsy stuff, a lot of um, like New York outfit stuff. Yeah, I like my free page right now. But anyway, um, okay, well, with my life update here being 12 minutes in, I've really not talked about anything concrete or specific. I've really just been loosey-goosey talking about um, my existential crisis, I guess. But I guess in terms of life updates, um, yeah, what's this week looking like for me? Okay, well, it is Tuesday as I'm recording this. I'm going on a date tonight because you guys – always ask me about the dating stuff. I asked on Instagram for you guys to ask me questions to like kind of direct this word vomit life update. And a lot of people were asking about various guys that I've talked about on the podcast. So recently I have done a kind of spring cleaning sort of situation. I know it's like end of summer, but I have cleaned, cleared my slate sent the necessary I don't see this going anywhere texts and really have just gotten myself a clear slate with the dating situation. I felt very clear. And then all of a sudden I had this moment where I like (laughs) randomly acquired a roster. And when I say a roster, I mean like multiple people at once, which wasn't really part of my plan, but I'm realizing the benefits and the drawbacks it's kind of like a case study with me being the person that is being studied, I guess, because like I'm seeing the the positives and negatives of what it what it means to have multiple people you're talking to at once. And I'm saying talking to, okay, not like necessarily hooking up with, okay? I'm not balancing many hookups at once because that's that's stress. But I am talking, I'm considering, I am bantering with three different guys right now. And at first I was like is this something that I should be not talking about? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, should I keep this to myself? Because is this something that I, as a woman, a respectful or a woman that wants to be respected, like, should I be talking about the fact that I'm talking to three different guys? But then I'm like, you know what? This is so like normal for guys to do. Like guys will talk to one girl and then like be DMing another girl fire emojis and be on hinge also having a conversation with someone. I don't think it should be a bad thing. Like why, why when girls talk about it, it's bad. Um, or maybe it it isn't even like, like that. And I, that's just what I'm thinking because I am afraid of everything. Um, but okay. So back to the three guys. So I met one of them. I met, um, out at a bar and then another one of them, well, I guess the other two of them I met on dating apps, different dating apps. 
So I have three guys and I scheduled dates with these three guys, like all kind of scattered throughout (laughs) one week. (laughs) Am I crazy? Probably. Um, So yeah, uh, guy number one is what I would describe as the like smart, very smart, um, very organized type. Guy number two seems like he's kind of very, like he's a kind of charming, kind of like sexy, charming, um, good banter, quick on his feet sort of guy. And the third guy seems kind of like a funny guy, a funny sports loving, um, probably needs help in the wardrobe department (laughs) guy. So all three of them seem like someone that I would really see myself with, but for different reasons. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like opening a can of worms because, but it's kind of an interesting can of worms at that. I'm trying to squeeze all these dates in before it starts getting cold because I hate dating when it's cold. I hate going on dates. That is like, I don't, I hate leaving my apartment in general. So I'm trying to rapid fire, figure out if any of these guys are a keeper before it gets cold. So I will keep you guys on the journey. Guy number one, guy number two, guy number three, and hopefully they never discover the podcast. (laughs) Or if they do, hopefully uh, they can't decide which one they are. So that is kind of the current situation. I'm going on a date with guy number one tonight, guy number two the next night, and guy number three um, right after um, I go away this weekend because I'm going home this weekend to Maryland. I'm bringing my friend Colby. You guys know her from Instagram. Adam's going to be there as well. So we're having like a fun little weekend in Maryland. But uh, date number three will resume after that. And I hope to have an update for you guys soon on what the deal is. Um, but it's kind of interesting. It's interesting seeing how three totally different guys can bring out three totally different sides of me. And I think like I have to say dating has really taught me out of everything I've done to kind of self-explore. Dating has been the one thing that has really told me so, so, so much more about myself than anything else. Because I think as you are being asked questions about yourself, that's a huge thing. Like it's kind of like an interview in a sense where you have to talk about yourself a lot, like sometimes more than others. But the way that you describe yourself like really teaches you or shows you like what you most value about yourself or what your future goals are. How do you describe what you do for work? How do you describe your day-to-day? Like what are those things that you are most excited to talk about? Because those are the things that you are most excited to do. So dating has really taught me a lot about myself. It has also taught me, dating in New York especially has taught me a lot about how to get back up after things go bad, like how to get yourself up off the ground and keep going and find the resilience to keep going, even though like some of the guys here are just so freaking brutal. Like they will ghost you like no one's business here. And that is something that I've learned and something that when people first move here, I think that they are greeted with this like brutal slap in the face of like people work very hard here and people can also be huge cowards here. It's really just the luck of the draw, guys. So with that, let's switch gears. Let's tell a little tale from history. I have a good one for you guys today. So the other day I was walking home from my workout and I was brainstorming podcast ideas. I was like, what do I talk about next week on the podcast? Because I always try to brainstorm a week ahead of time just so I don't panic the week of. So I was brainstorming on the, the way back from my workout and I was sipping my coffee that I always get from Ole and Steen over in Bryant Park. Really amazing iced coffee. 
sipping my coffee and thought to myself, I'm like, wait a second. So many of us rely on coffee. Why don't I look into where coffee came from? The story of coffee. Like, how did it reach my hands here today? Like, what went into making this magical liquid that gives me a will to live every day? Like, where does coffee originate? Where did it come from? So allow me to take you on a trip back in time because I figured out the why. I investigated and I found out. So feel free to whip out this story out of your back pocket on your next coffee date. You'll be a crowd pleaser, that's for sure. So this story takes us all the way back in time to 700 AD in a forested area of the Ethiopian plateau. So here goes nothing. Once upon a time, there was a young goat herder named Kaldi. Kaldi was tending to his herd late one night and noticed the goats were acting a bit out of the ordinary. Instead of going to sleep as they normally did at this given hour, they were lively, almost as if it were daytime. Legend has it, some were even jumping and leaping about even the older members of the herd. So after some investigating, Kaldi found the reason for his goat's behavior. He found a shrub that was half-eaten, presumably by the goats, and so he decided to take a closer look. It involved a cluster of foliage, dark green leaves with glossy finishes, and these red and green berries. And Caldi was a bold one, or a stupid one, I guess, because without pausing to find out if they were poisonous or if they'd kill him, he decided to just pop one in his mouth and taste it for himself, a real bold character this guy was. And as the legend goes, Caldi found himself full of energy almost immediately after eating one of the berries, and he had a hard time sleeping that night. So our guy Caldi decided he just had to go out and tell everyone about these magical energy-boosting berries. And people probably thought this dude was losing it. Like the goat herder, Caldi, is absolutely bonkers. But one person actually believed him or was just curious enough to investigate for himself. And this guy was a monk from a nearby monastery. The monk was intrigued by the story he heard from Caldi and just had to try these berries out for himself. But something about eating the berries whole just didn't sit right with him. I'm not sure why. Maybe he was just, I don't know. He decided to crush them up, okay? I don't know why he decided to do this, but he took a handful and ground them up instead. And it was in doing so when the monk realized that inside the berry was a bean-shaped seed. And after experimenting a bit, he found that it wasn't the berry, but it was the seed or the bean inside the berry that caused the energy boost Caldi was going on and on about in the village. So the monk then took the beans from inside the berries and ground those up into a powder and then added water to make it into a beverage. And he found that the added energy that coffee gave him made it so he could actually pray for longer stretches of time. So word spread within the monastery and eventually to the rest of the town about this energy-boosting bean water. And just like that, the goat herder Caldi and the monk, without knowing it, had kickstarted a total empire. A coffee empire, that is, as the legend says, of course. I was not there. But everyone in town from that point on wanted to get their hands on some of these magic energy-boosting beans. And so people began trading it, obviously, to nearby towns, and then things spread even further. 
So coffee cultivation and trade began on the Arabian Peninsula. And by the 15th century, it was being grown in the Yemeni district of Arabia. And by the 16th century, it was known in Egypt, Syria, Persia, and Turkey. And it was during this time when the first coffee houses sprung up. And these places where people could gather and drink coffee together became such important centers for the exchange of information, obviously in a time before cell phones, before the internet, before Twitter, before Instagram, that they were often referred to as, quote, schools of the wise. And honestly, I wish I'd known this information back in high school because I used to spend a substantial amount of time in my local Starbucks doing work. And I would actually get so much done, like the coffee smell, the overall just environment of other people there working as well, just like really inspired me. And I did a lot of my work, like a lot of my college essays, stuff like that in this one Starbucks. And I'd get home and my mom would be like, like she would like give me a hard time for not like using my desk that I had in my house. She's like, why, you know, why do you go to this coffee shop to do work? Like you're using gas or using money to like buy things. And I'm like, mom, I should have been like, it's a school of the wise. (laughs) Starbucks is a school of the wise. Anyway, so European travelers began bringing back elaborate tales of this mysterious, unusual, dark black beverage. And by the 17th century, coffee had made its way to Europe, obviously, and the phenomenon spread like wildfire. In 1583, a man named Leonard Rowolf, a German physician, wrote this description of coffee after a 10-year trip east. He returned from his trip, and this is what he wrote about coffee. He said, quote, a beverage as black as ink, useful against numerous illnesses, particularly those of the stomach, its consumers take it in the morning, and I love that he said take it, like it's a a pill or like a medication, they take it in the morning, quite frankly, in a porcelain cup that is passed around and from which each one drinks a cup full. It is composed of water and the fruit from a bush called Banu. But of course, as many inexplicable new inventions do, it was met with some opposition from those who didn't understand how coffee, this beverage almost black in color, could impact their energy and disrupt their sleep. Some people called coffee, quote, the bitter invention of Satan. So they really thought it was from a darker place, that's for sure. Dark in color from a dark place. So people specifically living in Venice, Italy in the early 1600s threw such a fit over coffee and its potential link to Satan that they had to get the Pope to weigh in on it because they couldn't agree. So before making his decision, the Pope asked to try some of it, but he found the drink so satisfying that he gave it a stamp of approval. And that really set things in motion even more. Over in England, people would go to these places called penny universities, aka coffee shops. And it was called a penny university because for the price of just one penny, a person could buy a cup of coffee and get in on the local news, the talk of the town, and learn a thing or two. So kind of like a traditional university. So very much in the same grain as those schools of the wise happening East. So very interesting fact that I learned. So at the time that things were you know, starting to be set in motion in England and in other parts of Europe, at the time, the popular drink with breakfast was beer or wine, which I guess kind of makes sense. But it's just so funny to think about it. Like, talk about a boozy brunch. Like, but, okay, so after discovering, though, this new drink, coffee, a lot of people started their day with that instead 
of beer or wine. So those who drink coffee instead of alcohol first thing in the morning reported feeling more alert and energized and the quality of their work started to improve. Shocking. Okay. I suppose drinking before work just wasn't somehow wasn't producing the same level of work from these people that coffee was. It's just crazy. Like imagining, like I'm imagining waking up and like having a beer first thing in the morning and being like, okay, guys, I'm going to go off to work now. Like pre-gaming work. Anyway, in the mid 1600s, coffee was brought to New Amsterdam, which goes by a different name today. It's called New York now. A little background for those who are interested in knowing the deal surrounding New York being called New Amsterdam prior to 1664, because truly, I know we learned about this in high school and probably earlier than that, but I like forgot. I genuinely, before living here, like I had totally forgot that this place was called New Amsterdam. So to take part in the fur trade, settlers from the Amsterdam-based Dutch West India Company, like real Amsterdam today, not New Amsterdam. (laughs) So this company of Dutch merchants plus their foreign investors first established the colony of New Netherland in 1624. And the following year, the island of Manhattan specifically, then the capital of New Netherland, which was a larger mass of land, was named New Amsterdam. So what is now Manhattan used to be called New Amsterdam. I believe like maybe fragments of other parts outside of Manhattan, but Eventually, in 1664, the English took over New Amsterdam and renamed it New York after the Duke of York, who had organized the mission. So coffee came to New Amsterdam, as it was called in the mid-1600s, and it wasn't, obviously, as one can assume, it wasn't unanimously adored because, like every new thing, it was met with opposition, you know? And at this time, many people still preferred tea to this bitter-tasting foreign drink, but Guys, this is where high school, again, high school history class comes in handy. So this all changed a bit later in time when American colonists were pissed off at the British for taxation without representation and dumped 342 chests of absurdly taxed imported tea into the Boston Harbor. The 1773 Boston Tea Party as it was called, and many of us read about in history class many moons ago, would forever change the American drinking preference from tea to coffee. And obviously us New Yorkers or New Amsterdamers back in the day adopted the same mentality of coffee over tea. So traders, missionaries, and colonists alike kept the fire going. And so coffee seeds continued to be transported to new lands. And today, coffee is one of the most sought out commodities in the world. Worldwide, we drink over 500 billion cups of coffee every year. And I contribute to a scary, scary amount of that. Like I contribute a scary number to that overall 500 billion. How about you? I drink a lot of coffee. Um, But anyway, yeah, what a story. I genuinely, the most interesting part about that to me was, well, not only the fact that it was considered like a satanic drink, like that's so interesting to me, but the fact that the British like taxation situation that, that, you know, propelled us to us Americans to engage in the Boston Tea Party was really like that really sped things along for coffee. Like coffee wasn't this like unanimously loved drink all over the world 
that really set things in motion. Obviously, there was other things happening other places, but that was like a huge contributing factor. And I don't remember learning about that part. I feel like I would have maybe paid more attention in high school if my professor had told me that this was the reason why a lot of us love coffee, <laughs> like or, or a very large contributing reason why we ditched tea and went for coffee instead because we were like, you know, F you British that are taxing us way too much on our tea, taxation without representation, you know. So interesting stuff, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to my story time. Thanks for listening to my uh, 20 minute ramble in the beginning of the episode about my life. Um, it's looking like it's about time for me to get ready for my date tonight with guy number one. So I will be sure to update you all in the future on this whole concept. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, I'm actually quite glad. I There's something about podcasting that just feels safe to me. Like I feel like everything I say on here is super safe. Whereas on Instagram, I feel like I just have a larger variety of people listening to me. Whereas you guys are like my safe space, my, my safe people that I feel like I could tell anything to. So, um, thank you for listening this far. And if you've been listening for a while to the podcast, I really value and appreciate you. And I just want that to be known because, um, like I don't say it enough, you know? So thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Um, I am realizing it's a bit on the short side. I try to aim for like 45 minutes, but sometimes guys, like I just don't feel like I need to ramble for longer than is necessary, you know? So hope you guys appreciate this short but sweet 30-minute-ish episode. And I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye. Bye.